I'm telling you, your grocery bill will be like almost in half. Produce, not so great sometimes, but your other basics, definitely get them there. Anyway, bring your reusable bags because I see friends there all the time and I embarrassingly have like an <laughs> armful of stuff. We'll be dropping my like protein bars, but Tiffany calls it the Aldi shuffle because <laughs> you're just like, like how much can I balance? Anyways. This is just increasingly becoming a life tip show yeah. for people. <laughs> like here, you live in Nashville. Here's some like, suggestions. Go to all, bring your reusables. Yeah. Don't do the shuffle. <laughs> yeah. Don't be caught shuffling. This is Nashville Demystified. I am Alex Steed. Nashville Demystified is a show in which I get to know this city better by talking with the folks who live, work, agitate, and make art here. Today, we talk with the wonderful Aaron Ray. But first, I need to tell you that Nashville Demystified is made possible by Knack Factory of Video, content production house with offices and production facilities here in the city. If you are in the market, oh, there's a dog. Oh, there's a dog again. <laughs> <laughs> if yo, she's sneezing now. If you are in the market for commercial video production or you know someone who is, tell them about Knack Factory. National Demystified is also made possible by We Own This Town, a collection of podcasts produced by Nashvillians. This is the first show that's aired since We Own This Town was selected as an editor's pick for Best Podcast Network in the National Scene's annual Best of Issue. I'm so proud to have been a part of this team, or to be a part of this team. It's not even past tense, it's present tense. Thanks to everyone who said kind words since. Uh, there's actually some people on Twitter who suggest that the... Uh, the uh, uh, awards were rigged, which is funny to me, uh, that that would happen. I mean, who knows? Stranger things have happened, but we're an editor's pick. Uh, democracy didn't even have a piece of this, just a guy or a lady or a person at, uh, the national scene thought we were worth focusing on. We weren't even in the categories. I, I couldn't have won in the categories because in the ballots for the uh, uh, best of national scene thing, they they basically uh, advertised their own podcast above the entry <laughs> for podcast, which I thought was a, a bold move, but we got selected nonetheless. I think that's great. Um, and oh my God, Today, someone recognized my voice from the podcast, a person who I was giving money to because I was buying a thing from them. They heard my voice and they said, Nashville Demystified, Alex. And I don't even know what the hell's happening anymore, if we're being honest. I have no idea what's happening. So Erin Ray is an absolute delight, and I'm grateful to her for coming on the show and talking about her upbringing in the Nashville area, her life, her career, her insights on where to get the best deals on antiques, and how to establish boundaries as a musician. This conversation's great. I I really just like Erin a lot, and her, her music is fantastic. Um, her voice is phenomenal. She just, she makes... Uh, interesting stuff and she's sort of we talk about this here but she's like she's in 
this scene here uh, among a, uh, just a, a great deal of incredible music musicians who are who are you know it's it's a it's a weird border cusp thing it's like a lot of different genres happening at once you know touched by country touched by pop touched by psych uh uh just really really phenomenal stuff and Aaron had just gotten uh, back from a short bit on the road when we talked. I met her a few months ago before Americana Fest. Um, we talked here about the Carpenters Tribute Show she hosted and organized at the Five Spot, which was a part of an Americana Fest showcase, which was just an incredible evening that featured so many favorite Nashville musicians from Tristan to Lily Hyatt to Nicole Atkins to Rachel Bayman. Just, it's almost cliche to say that it was a truly magical evening, but it was a a truly magical evening trademark that's what it was it was phenomenal um and we talk about that we talk about that here too about how you know just like making stuff as a musician isn't just about being a musician it's about living a creative life and we cover that here oh we also talk about the mall <laughs> so you're in for a treat but first, I should ask you to follow and subscribe wherever you can. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and we're still on Facebook, even though Zuck is garbage, gas lady garbage. Facebook is the Ray Pruitt of social media channels. If you don't know what that means, it's high time you revisit the original 90210, my friends. Anyway, we're still on Facebook for some reason. So please like and do all the things, write us a review. I hear that's helpful. Uh, Ezra Klein asks people to do it in his podcast, so it must be important. All right, I think that's enough from me. Like sometimes I talk way more, but this interview is substantial. So uh, let's just dive in. Without further ado, Aaron Ray. You know, you're a rare uh, breed in that for various reasons. <laughs> but you, Thank you. Please you, go on. <laughs> you are a musician here who has roots here. Mm -hmm. Like you go, you go back. Yeah. Like what are your first memories of like this being a place that, you know, sort of defined you and how did it create who you are? Oh, that's a cool question. <laughs> I don't know. I... I still identify very, or I, I feel very like, I love East Nashville and I've lived here for like eight years, I guess now, but grew up in Bellevue um, and before that Jackson, Tennessee until like age 11. And so like Tennessee to me and like Nashville, pre-New Nashville, mm. I guess feels very like, it's it's a very hard thing to like describe, I guess, but there's like a little bit more of a of a grittiness to it. There's like a it's like a warmth and a grittiness. Yeah. Um, where things are like, I don't know, like all the buildings that were like built in like the forties and fifties and sixties. Like that's my high school was built in in the fifties and like I don't know. So a lot of Tennessee to me, I guess, kind of feels older. So there's there's like a, a feeling that I don't really quite know how to articulate. What was your childhood here like? It was, um, we lived in the suburbs in 
Bellevue, um, just like on the west side of Nashville, past Bellmead. Um, and we didn't really spend very much time coming into downtown Nashville or anything. We uh, hung out. My, when my parents worked during the summers, we would hang out at the Bellevue Community Center, which is like Nashville offers like, it's like free childcare essentially during the summer. So we just hung out there and went to the library a lot and like went to the park all the time and the Bellevue Mall, which is now not there. It's like a whole different development. Um, my sister was like definitely a mall rat <laughs> and uh, we just kind of hung out in the neighborhood and, you know, made up games and entertained ourselves, played in the woods and stuff. Do your in your parents um, have music in them? Um, yeah. Do they do they like what was their proximity to to what was going on in the city or what was going on here at that time? I think my my parents are, were good at always finding like the other creative people. Like when we lived in Jackson, they found like creative friends, and my dad had a friend named Willie X, and then we had the Rains family that hosted house shows and stuff. And then we moved here, the Lancasters. We went. We I think it, like the year we moved here. Troy and Annette. Troy was a, a session, is a session guitar player in Music Row, and we went to his, their house. They had two kids around the same ages as me and my sister, and so we went to their house for holidays. And like, part of the holiday hang would just be to like swap songs and stuff, and the parents would sing together after dinner and stuff like that. Um, but as far as like, <laughs> we were aware that music was happening, but it, I didn't really understand like to what level and to like how different it was to have like musical parents in your household and then have like music be the career of some people in town. Right. And I guess if you're here, like you don't look at people who have, or maybe I, I'm making an assumption, but like you don't, you don't see people who have a career in music necessarily as outsiders because that's the thing that people here do yeah but like you know if you like a lot of friends from Maine visited this week and like yeah. they were oh, just cool. fascinated to know you know that like people in the room with them probably had like you know a, a contract or were, were yeah. probably spent the majority of their year on the road and and that's like a outlying thing to them but here I guess like how does that how does that shape you to know there are people out in the, this uh, your immediate backyard who are yeah. who are doing this for work. I think I didn't really understand it more until I like started doing it more, and I still like still am learning about that. Obviously, I don't know. It just seemed very cosmic that like <laughs> to be like to come from Jackson, where we were a musical family, but we were like not. Uh, that's not, that wasn't like a commonplace thing for there to just, you know, and then to come here and it was like, oh, everybody is a musician here. And like a lot, there are a lot of talented people here, you know, and then my parents both like, we, our, our family like spent a lot of time in the recovery community over like just my whole life, you know, mm -hmm. like 12 step of different kinds. So there's also a lot of creative people in that world. So it was kind of like, it was like this interesting crossover of like feeling connected to a lot of different people and not necessarily connecting based on like, Oh, like you're famous or Oh, like you're 
a successful, like you work at a label or you work for Gibson guitars or something, you know, like, I don't know if that answers the question, but no, it's, I mean, it's, I think it's, it seems to me like one of the most interesting differences between here and elsewhere. Yeah. Is that like your backyard is full of, of people who are doing things that anywhere else in the country, it looks like impossible or unattainable. Yeah. And I imagine that consciously or unconsciously has an imprint on people who decide to pursue it, pursue it. Right. It's not like a, again, like if you're, if you want to do this from Maine, you have to invent a whole scenario in which it seems possible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is super interesting. Can you tell, can we back up super quickly and it's a total non sequitur, but your sister was a mall rat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How was, how, wait, wait, what was the mall? The Bellevue Mall. Well, how is it different than what is happening there now? I'm, they I'm, tore I'm, I'm, it down. I'm, oh, so that's very So now different. it's gone. <laughs> it was vacant for like a number of years. There was just like a Sears. Well, it was really, really funny because when we first moved to Nashville from Jackson, our the mall, the mall, Old Hickory Mall in Jackson, did not have like, we didn't have, I mean, this is just, we were so deprived that we didn't have Hollister oh, or um, Limited 2. Right. Or Abercrombie and Fitch. We didn't have any of that. And so when we moved here, there were some of those stores in the Bellevue Mall, and some of them were in other malls, but there was a limited two, I remember that, and a gap. (laughs) And um, so when we first moved here in 2001, it was like, you know, it was like a a happening in place. Um, But then, like, slowly over, by the time I was leaving high school, the mall was closing and like the last few years, like slowly stores had like shut down and it was just getting really weird over there. And, but my sister and her friend, Amber, we lived walking distance from the mall. So they would just walk and they would just be gone all day. They'd just be walking around the mall and like, just like doing pranks and like just being silly, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, and but yeah, so by the end of it, there was only a Sears there, and they were just walking around a vacant mall, oh, essentially. It, that's really going to change your perspective yeah. at some level as like right. a young person. Yeah. yeah. The carcass of a mall. The security guards were like always trying to run them off. They're like, like 10 or 12 at the latest, you know? So like they could cause minor trouble, but not real trouble, you know? Sure. They were just like, but mostly just like probably playing in like made up scenarios, you know, anyways. So now it's like, there's like a movie theater and it's like, there's a Panera bread. They just redeveloped it a couple years ago, I think, but Hmm. it's so different now. It's all so different. I, I, uh, I spend my, a lot of my teens working and hanging out in malls. Yeah. It's like whenever I find like other mall people, I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, (laughs) you know about the mall, (laughs) you know what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) I, I worked, I worked at one of the knockoff sunglass okay. carts I was never cool although I was a stock boy at Aldo oh. and got hit on by much older handsome men all oh. the time that's nice yeah that's never an experience it was never really my like the, the demo who I thought I was gonna meet uh, right at Aldo but you know I'm yeah narcissistic I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> same. <laughs> it's obviously same I'm just kidding um, obviously, obviously. <laughs> of course. Um, you uh, babysat interesting people. Is that true? That was when it was really like 
my mom babysat them. But yeah, when we first moved to town, um, I don't know. I just remember going, we went to my, we went back to my dad's hometown, Crothersville, Missouri once, like when I was like 13 to visit and, um, his mom and we went to Sunday school at the church that she went to forever. And the kids in the Sunday school class were like, Oh, do you know anybody famous? Like, do you know anyone? And I was just like, I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think I know anybody famous. And then like a couple hours later, I was like, well, my, like we babysat Johnny Cash's grandson, but we didn't know, like, that's just like how weird it is. I think to like what a small town it is, but also like in my brain, in my like kid brain connect as in, like, as I would grow to start pursuing music and stuff, I would connect these little dots of being like, it's like we're, everybody's connected in this, you know? Yeah. So it was, that was wild. But yeah, we, we used to babysit him. Um, when I was like 12 and 13. And then go back to Missouri and let the people know. Yeah, I just had to tell, I had to tell him. No, I didn't even get, that's a, that's the thing. That's the only time anyone asked me being from Nashville, if I knew anyone famous, probably ever. And I did, I didn't even remember like to tell him, I was like, man, <laughs> do you, do you feel yourself like, what is your relationship to Nashville now? Like, what do you feel like you have to like represent Nashville? Like, do you feel protective of it? Like, how do you feel about the city now? I do feel protective of it. I, there was like a, a period where I felt grief about how fast it was changing, but that's also like just me as a person, like sentimentally, like I, for example, when we moved from Jackson, like a few years later, I went back and it was like vacant, like the owners had like bought it and then they moved elsewhere and just nobody moved in. And I like wrote a a letter to the house and like thanked it for the memories, you know what I mean? (laughs) That kind of vibe. So the house that made me. Yes. (laughs) Miranda. And, um, so when it like started rapidly changing so much, I also felt like I was like, it was like a feeling of being afraid of being left behind or something. It was Mm. like a weird thing. Cause like, which is not, it's just, that's just an interesting thing to be like, that's the feeling that I had. But it like the city, I don't know, cities grow and change. And like, I'm also growing and changing and, and being part of it. But I think I really care about like the history of Nashville. Like mm. I think, and that's why I think like your podcast is so cool just to like get to dive into little pockets and little avenues of stories and stuff from this town. I think there's like buildings that I, it makes me really sad if they like sit vacant for a long time and I'm like, is that going to get torn down too? You know? Right. Um, there's one in particular that I'm like personally trying to like prevent that from happening on Gallatin, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Is it, is it like, I, not to, I don't want to give, give it away, Yeah. but is it like a commercial building or are you it's looking like at like a little, yeah. it's a little commercial building. Mm. Um, and I found the people that own it and it was like left to them in a living will and, or a living trust or something. 
and I reached out to them and they called back. So, but when I called them back, their voicemail's not set up. So of course, of course, but it was a very sweet message. It was like an older gentleman and he was like, Hey, I'm so sorry. I'm just getting to you. Uh, I wrote them a letter too, put it in there, put it in their mailbox, which hopefully that's not too creepy, but it was very, it was a nice letter. It wasn't like, Hey, (laughs) I don't know. I think it wasn't, I think it was as normal as a cold reach out about property could be probably. Are those the only two letters you've written to people who own buildings that you have dealing with that? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. One letter to one building and then, yeah, I guess so far. Yeah. yeah, there's so time. Yeah. Life, there's is, time. <laughs> life is full of dialogues with buildings yes. in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. But I do believe that, I don't know, if, you know, a little bit of, you know, magic energy stuff, maybe. If it's like meant to be or whatnot. There's, yeah, there's like I'm a lot open of, to that possibility. There's a lot of buildings on Gallatin I'd like to like make into a shop or make into something yeah. because it's like, it's rich in. Yeah. And it's interesting hearing that in this case, there, there are these people who are, it was sort of like, you know, part of like, part of an unintentional transaction. And I imagine that's probably a lot of what's happening with yeah. these buildings is like people own things they don't even necessarily know about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you, how do you, I saw this, this tweet from Lily Hyatt the other day. And that's part of the reason why I was asking the, the defensiveness question is that, um, she was, it, it seems like she was saying something about like people who like talk shit about Nashville, especially in the music industry. Yeah. Um, and feeling like protective of how cool of a town this is. Yeah. What, like, what is the perception of Nashville from people who are in music from, but from outside of here? Like, I don't really know uh, what people think about this town. I don't really know <laughs> either. I don't really know either. I think people, you know, the nor- the typical conversation is like, oh, that's a good place to be for what you're doing. You know, right, that's right, kind right. of like how it is. <laughs> it's like, like, yep. Yep. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, or I guess like if someone has moved here and like, and then moved away or whatever, but I don't know, maybe it's perceived as like a more of a pop country place or something Mm -hmm. from but it's usually like people that don't like aren't in the music world necessarily right but i will say you know occasionally you'll have somebody be like oh yeah i couldn't i i couldn't do nashville like i gotta stay out of there and i think probably because there is so much industry here you know that kind of can cloud especially if you're like a sensitive being, Mm. you know, or like a sensitive creative person, then it's easy to feel that pressure or imagine it, Mm -hmm. you know, sorry, my stomach is growling. You're probably picking it up (laughs) on the microphone. (laughs) Sorry. Um, I think it's probably easy to, to feel that and feel like it just, I think it just depends on the person. It's like what people are hoping to do with creative endeavors if they want to take it up the the industry like flagpole kind of thing or if they want to like just create and create a scene in their town and you know have it be not so inundated with like like a business business or financial success or whatever right right i don't know yeah it's it's i i guess i don't yeah i don't know what 
Nashville looks like from the outside to people who are yeah who are not me right (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's hard to I haven't had any like explicit like oh Nashville sucks or whatever you know or like I guess yeah it's a good question yeah I think it's still like it seems like it's still like re-establishing what its outward personality is yeah to people looking in from like like I mean it to me it's evident because like I follow all of this stuff from 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 it from within and I did I did previously as well um a, a little bit from without but like it's like I don't know who I like think about when I think about Nashville whereas in like the 80s and the yeah. 90s you knew exactly who you who you thought about and like right. and like now just because of the nature of like how music works and things aren't like everything isn't a blockbuster all the time yeah <laughs> there's yeah. like a lot more sort of like like smaller to medium size like thriving um, um, people in scenes, um, which in a lot of ways is, is good, but it makes it sort of difficult to go like, Oh, like that's, that's like a national thing. Well, like, although I guess like Jason Isbell is a pretty, yeah, you know, that guy, yeah, Gillian Welch, who we talked about before. Yeah. These are people, I guess. Like Nashville peeps. I think, um, otherworldly Nashville beings. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's weird too, like the way that music is released and doesn't necessarily, maybe I don't know this for a fact, but I like now, like for example, like Mason Ramsey, the yodel kid, he's on, um, he's on the Florida Georgia line label Mm. here. So like his record label is here. But I wouldn't necessarily think of him as like a Nashville guy. Right. I think of him as like the Walmart guy <laughs> from think, wherever he's from. I don't from. think of Mason Ramsey as the Nashville guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, is is he ten years old? Like, is, I, think I don't so. know. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah, Nashville kid. <laughs> I just right. want to see him just like, yeah. at the five spot. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Maybe that's not a great reference. <laughs> no, it's great. But, it yeah. is great. Yeah. But you know, like. Or yeah, and Margot is a Nashville person. Whoa! Oh yeah, yeah, all yeah, kinds yeah. Of noise. You're, you're you're right, and and you know I think your third man, third yeah, is like is a face that people like look at yeah. and see as like a Nashville establishment. Yeah, and maybe like Dan Auerbach. Oh yeah. Kiss me on the That's the other thing that I find, you know, I'm not saying anything new to anyone who's listening who's here, but like, you know, like Kroger networking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have you heard? Uh, which is which for anyone listening who is not familiar, it's like, hey, how was your tour? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm just working on a new record. At, in the produce aisle of the local yeah. grocery store. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's like, and it, I go like, with Kurt Kroger every day. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, well, and there's like two sides of it. I just like Facebook or whatever, um, just popped up, just showed me a memory of like last year or two years ago, me and Lily Hyatt and Beckham and Carrie all ran into each other at Kroger and we had all been gone for a while. And it was like this really tender, like we were like, Hey, like we, we all like, we took a picture like under aisle four and we were just like, Oh, like, you know, so there is like the good side of just be in fluorescent light. Yes. We were just like so happy to see each other. Um, but Ron Gallo, Hmm. have you heard his EP? Uh, there's an EP that he made like maybe two years ago, but there's one song called the East Nashville Kroger conversation. Oh my God. And it's really just a recording of that. It was like, I'll, I'll send it to you after this. Um, cause there is like, there, I feel like there's a line where it's like, okay, like, yes. Like it's very comical. Like that, that is such a common, I mean, we have like, you have like a very similar conversation all the time, but it's also like, that's what people know to ask when they see you or yeah, like, absolutely. or that's what I know to ask other people like, how, how, how are you? But it is, it does become a cliche thing, but it still is like the questions are, you know, often genuine, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, there is a, a networking or, or the Aldi, oh, do the yeah. Aldi. Uh, I saw my friend Tiffany one day there and I, I never go into Aldi with, um, bags like with reusable bags I always mm-hmm. forget and I don't get a cart just stubbornly where I like don't have a quarter to get a cart have you been to Aldi no oh, yeah oh, well, I was I was noticing sound, the, you're making it sound great it well like, there's a quarter to get a cart yeah <laughs> the price difference is unreal sure. you get a lot of organic products like mostly everything is organic mm-hmm. and but it just is like blank brand it's not like whatever, but, uh, like EL fudge rounds, they're the same cookie, but it's just like <laughs> 99 cents. Cause Perfect. you're not paying for the little elf right. on there. Um, and you can get some name brand stuff. Them. Anyways, this is, this is just a life tip. I'm telling you your grocery bill will be like almost in half produce. Not so great sometimes, but your other basics definitely get them there. Anyway, Bring your reusable bags because I see friends there all the time and I embarrassingly have like an armful of stuff. <laughs> we'll be dropping my like protein bars, but Tiffany calls it the Aldi shuffle because <laughs> you're just like, like how much can I balance? Anyways. This is just increasingly becoming a life tip show yeah. <laughs> for people. Like here, people you live in Nashville. Here's some like, suggestions. Go to Aldi, bring your reusables. Yeah. Don't do the shuffle. Yeah. Don't be caught shuffling. I I uh, I'm curious to know what your uh, you know what your suggestions are for a for a great day in the city, Ooh. like where people should go. I mean, it doesn't have to be a real day because I know things are open at different times. And, yeah, but like what like you're back in the city. Like, what are you stoked to do, and where are you excited to go? I uh will make the same loop at of on 8th Avenue and go to the antique stores over there Oof. like 8th Avenue antiques and pre to post modern and 8th 8th and Rose coffee shop and I'll just make that loop 
again and again. Like, Eighth Avenue Antiques, super side note, but I just want to make sure you tell people. Yeah. Has a collection of uh, of like seventies like gay porn zines. Really? Yeah. Like that seems to be replenished. Like there are like wow. new ones that come in. Like so, there's like a, well, there's like an extensive like sort of like erotica thing there or whatever. Okay. But like those like t- classic Tom of Finland like big dude stuff. Yep. Like Physique magazines and stuff. <laughs> is it that is, in? There's like the section where there's like art books. Yeah, that's is it. Is that that booth? That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I always am like breezing breezing through looking for the sweet, uh, like. I'm I'm the clothes. I'm in the clothes zone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you are. That's hilarious. That's uh, awesome. The sort of sized person. Yes. Who can go to an antique shop <laughs> and find clothes that fit their body. Almost. <laughs> I am six foot five. Yeah. <laughs> no one gets rid of their clothes. So you go there in pre to postmodern, which is another great, yes. great spot. If you need furniture, great prices. Yeah. They're pri- it's price to sell. Price to sell to the young uh <laughs> you know, fashionable, you know, stylish person. They like, you can get a coffee table or like a couch for like a couple hundred bucks, like a a rad couch. Right on. It sells quick. So, but there's new stuff every day. So I recommend that. Fantastic. And, oh, you're speaking. I'm, I mean, I'm stuck on, I get stuck on the antiques loop. Oh my God. So, yeah. I mean, I am not like, that's my weekend yeah. is antiquing um, and oh. the a hundred mile radius. Sales. <laughs> I didn't know the magic of estate sales. I went one day over in East Nashville. I was like on my way home from work and I went down, the, it's Mansfield. It's like the street that faces off of Gallatin, it faces, um, like it pours into D- Dino's is across mm. the street. Yeah. But this, there's like this big bungalow that was having an estate sale. And it was this man, he had, he was a blind music teacher forever that he had passed away, but he had like a million different recording devices. And like, he had a, a braille typewriter. Mm. It was like, I was like, Oh man, I signed up for the estate sale mailing list. <laughs> Wait, what is it? There's an estate sale mailing list? I think list? there's a couple of them. Oh my God. This is why I'm doing this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, is is the, this is the content we're here for. This is it. Like, yeah. this is great. I mean, it's also funny too, because like when people who are looking for like background about you, you know, like Google you or whatever, they're yeah. going to find some very pragmatic tips. Yeah. For getting, <laughs> very good getting tips. Antiques. Okay. What if you needed to get uh, uh, like a weekend breakfast, where would that happen? I love Marche. Have mm. you been there? I have not. No. It's in Five Points. It's on the corner. Oh yes, I have. I'm yeah, so sorry. Yeah, with the yeah. big windows. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's very like f- f- it feels French in there. Yeah. I don't know if it is. And there's a breakfast scene. I think it is. I okay. think it's like it's new, like French. new like quote new French. Frenchish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, love it there. Um, that's like that's my fave fave hang. It's it's easier to get there, like find a table and stuff on the weekdays, like no problem, but it's not that, not too long to wait on the weekend either. Um, I love cafe Rose also Mm. newer joint over on Porter road. I'm trying to think Marche is usually where I go, where I will like meet people or take people if they're from out of town or whatever. Right on. Yeah, strong, coffee is very, very strong. Oh, that's so good. Be to careful. Know. Be good. Take another tip. <laughs> take, take it easy. It's I don't know what they're doing. If they're like brewing it overnight, 
at like a low temperature or what, but it's like <laughs> you like Dose's coffee is very strong, but in, this is in a different way. Dose's coffee is like you, you've experienced that, oh, of course, surely. Yeah. yeah. Like they they give you the little mugs at Dose, and then they just keep re- refilling and it. They give you forty five cups of coffee. Yeah, and then you have like a total panic attack in the <laughs> afternoon if you're me or anyone I know. And but Marche is different because it like seems like just normal coffee, and it's but the same thing will happen. I had like a a business meeting there, loosely a business meeting, but it was just like a catch up. And by the end of it, we were both like freaking out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, Marche. Marche. Right, cool. Marche. I also highly recommend um, the Country Music Hall of Fame for just to go. To go. It if, is. It's amazing. If you're here, it's yeah. amazing. It's incredible. The special exhibits are fascinating. The whole thing is so cool. I need to go. I think there's been a Keith Whitley. Oh yeah. Exhibit. I don't know if it's, it's closed. Pretty, it's pretty good. It's, it's um, already closed. It's like a, it's like a, a wall, yeah, of a of a lot of stuff in cool. which in which this is not my primary takeaway because Keith Whitley is very important, <laughs> but someone, the Country Music Hall of Fame in the biography and signs section, yes, screwed up Keith's birth year, <gasps> and there's someone had to go through, <laughs> write it down, re, rewrite it. There's an inconsistent biographical reportage about Keith Whitley's oh. age, but. It's all very touching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bill Monroe's smashed mandolin in the background and Keith Willie's like, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's Amazing. I, my favorite, well, recently, the last time I went there, it was when Emily Harris's exhibit had mm. just gone up and it like, it was very moving to me to see that whole, and, and then I, this was last year. This was a year ago, but I, I like, got on another Emmylou Harris kick and just listened to Red Dirt Girl probably a hundred times since then. It's like the best song ever. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The the museum is, is fabulous. Yeah. Like for, I mean, as far as like comprehensive exhibits go. Yeah. that connect today's popular culture to its history. Right. I think it's probably one of the best that I can, I'm sure, I'm sure there are, yeah. are, are issues that academics would like to take up, but I, totally. I am not that. Yeah, no, I think <laughs> it could, cause it could just, it's just so, uh, like there's so much integrity in the museum, I think. Like then, like with what, cause it, I don't know, it could pander a lot more. Mm. To like the tourist, or like you know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Like it could, but it, it does. Like it really. Like the staples are there, of like the roots of country music are there, and then like occasionally you'll have like the new person doing there, like Taylor, Taylor Swift or Casey Musgraves. It's like cool. Yeah, it's I awesome. came. I came a couple a couple years ago with. Um, um, with friends and children, and there was like the Taylor Swift sort of education uh, exhibit, and that nice. went that went over in a big way. Oh, <laughs> nice! Like, That's cool. They were like, "Cool, there's something to be entertained by." While you, you know, look at pictures of men from the 1920s, right? <laughs> That's yeah. 
Cool. Cool. Do you, um, so you, you are, you know, you have a, a particular like prof- professional like social scene around you here. Like there are yeah. people that you know and, and came up with and you all, you know, do you, have, do you consider yourself like in a class of, of a particular collection of people or, or how does, how does that work? Like what, what's it like coming up with a I bunch think, of people doing different things? I think <laughs> I was thinking about this recently because there's like another like layer. It kind of, everything kind of bleeds into everything else. Like all the, all the artists and stuff from different like age groups necessarily, I guess, or as what I'm trying to say, like the heyday of the five spot in my mind, like I, and I hung out there way less than a lot of these people, but like Margot, Little Bandit, um, Kelsey Walden, and Los Colonis, like um, the Lonely H. It was like this, uh, in Margot's old band, Buffalo Clover, and like this whole kind of like ecosystem around five spot in my mind, Derek Hoke, $2 Tuesday. Like that to me, when I started hanging out there, it was like 2012, probably when I started to get connected to all of them. And so it's been, it's been like, I was just thinking recently, like there's this, a whole another like generation seems like a strong word. Cause it's not that word that much older. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of on the younger end maybe of that group, but there are, it's like different eras, I guess, instead of classes per yeah, se. Yeah, era is a better, like sort of yeah. better. Um, but yeah, there's like the whole scene of like Liz Cooper and Nightingale and like, it's just cool to see different people kind of like inhabit those spaces, like the new faces night and then the basement. And then like now there's D's and, you know, kind of where they're keeping like the Nashville show scene going. Yeah as like some of us start to like leave town more and, and be traveling more and all that. Is that, am I making this? No, 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 no. <laughs> it makes sense. I know. <laughs> it, makes, it makes total sense. But I okay. guess like, is it like, is it a situation where, um, you know, talking about like the eras and, and sort of as everyone like grows and sort of goes in the different directions that they're, they're going in, you know, both like geographically and by way of career yeah um um like does is the tendency for like that ecosystem to like to as it rises like everyone rises or like how does that how does that end up working out like you must be stoked to see like friends of yours from particular times like yeah achieve you know different levels of recognition and appreciation yeah um I do think it kind of like when one person begins to succeed like more people do. Yeah. A rising this. tide lifts all boats. Yes. As President as, Kennedy said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mr. President. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think I was talking about this earlier to somebody, but, uh, you know, I think seeing like Margot do so well and seeing like, the, the world kind of open up for her, like when she made, she signed a third man and then a couple of weeks later, she played Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. or like that's what in my memory is what it was like. Um, and I know that I was I was like singing with her 
around town a bunch. Um, and our friend Luke Schneider was playing steel. And I kind of remember him talking about like, I'm going to show your record or show the record to, to Ben Swank. And I remember him cause he's, he's worked at Grimey's. He would be a cool person to talk to. Ben Swank? No, Luke Schneider. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, you already talked to Ben Swank. I, I was like, I, I should know. talk to him. <laughs> Luke Snyder. All right, cool. Yeah. So I remember, I remember like that kind of like, and then they went and made the record in Memphis and then they got signed third man and like, you know, but at that point it had been like many, many years in the making for her, like mm. 10 years of being in this town and playing as Buffalo Clover and then starting to do Margot and the price tags. And, but yeah, so when that like happened and we, we all like, saw her be on Saturday Night Live and like just things going really well. It kind of like opened up a new level of like what's possible right. for people doing Americana music, <laughs> um, you know, or like from Nashville. It just kind of like connected in my mind anyways. Like I was just like, whoa. And also it helped in large part because of her, the nature of like who she is and how um, inclusive she was in the process of her like career moving forward. Like she took different Nashville bands on tour. Like we went on tour for a, f a few shows and she, she just took like, she got to sing with John Prine at the Ryman one night and she invited me and Darren Bradbury um, to go with her and Jeremy and just, and she, you know, just like things like that, where it's like that year when she, during Americana Fest, she did this panel at the Country Music Hall of Fame on the, it was like the Wednesday, the starting day of Americana Fest. And she invited, it was like her life in Nashville. It was kind of like talk, it was like kind of just like a, a presentation of Margot's like creative life. And so like her family was there and then she invited me and Aaron Lee Tajian and Darren Bradbury and Lily Hyatt to come like sing with her and, or like sing one of our own songs during her like showcase of her, right. you know? And that, because of that, people came to my show. That was my first, I think that was my first Americana Fest or second one, but so many people came to my show that week because of her. And then like she shared her, like her, her spotlight, I don't know, just created awareness around like the four of us that did that show with her, you know, and kind of like for like, because there's a lot of British people that come over for Americana Fest. And I feel like a lot of them took notice of us because of that, you know, and that trickled down to like Lily Hyatt and me and we were all like kind of coming up in our own little ways, but Yeah. I think that that's the thing that I notice and and really appreciate from yeah. from again from the outside of someone who doesn't play music, but like seeing seeing there there seems to be like some support of of each other where it's yeah. like where it's like if there's like any gaining of recognition that there seems to be um, from what what I've seen and been in proximity to like a, a a sharing of that spotlight and trying to like utilize that in a way that's like actually beneficial right. <laughs> to people yeah. in a way you don't always necessarily hear about when people get right. spotlight. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, you know, it can be like uh, there, I don't know. Well, there can be a, a view of 
as with anything, you know, wealth of any kind can be like, well, you can view it with like the scarcity lens. Like I got to hang on to this or like, wow, this is amazing that we can all participate in this. And there is like cosmically plenty to go around kind of thing, you know, like there's plenty there's, and I think what is cool about this time in creativity and music and is like the trajectories. There's so many different ways to like create a creative, to build a creative life or like career and still like the same, like you can self-release things and build your own community around it. And then like it grows over time or you can like go the pop country route and like, or you can write for other people or you can, I don't know. And I think, you know, other people might view that as a, like a naivete. Is that the right word? Yeah, no, you didn't. Naivete. 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 (laughs) Um, I don't know. Like Marissa Moss, we did this panel for Americana Fest talking about Americana shaping the experience of playing music and shows and touring for women in music. And I kind of mentioned, I mentioned that belief of that there's like plenty to go around kind of thing. And she was like, well, there is, there are a limited number of headlining spots though. And like limited number of plays currently on country radio. And of course that's not like the world that I'm in. Right. So that's not how I even, I just don't think about that on a daily basis other than like reading her articles and being like believing in, you know, her work so much and being really grateful for that um, and knowing people that do experience that. Um, and I, but I just have never perceived it as like, I'm fighting for this, this spot. It just was cool to me to grow up surrounded by people that are, to grow up musically around people that are inspiring to me, you know? And then I think I, I will say that, like, I have experienced jealousy, um, like, in the last couple years and, like, or just, like, kind of learning where I need to have boundaries, maybe where I didn't see that I wasn't, I didn't have boundaries around, like, or see that some of these things that have come naturally to me, uh, and are precious to me, like, I didn't, uh, like career wise, you know, that I, that it's not just something that I need to just like give, like give away, like kind of like a self-worth thing. Just being like, no, this is like, you did work for this. Like you don't need to like be like, oh yeah, like this is possible. It's like, no, you grew up here, but you, and so there's some things that feel so serendipitous to me that it kind of was like, I grew up here, you know, had a musical family, also, like, have just had such great luck with people being very supportive of me and my creative path that it has, it definitely has been, it has been work, but it's been, uh, but I haven't viewed it really that way until I haven't viewed it like, no, I worked so hard for this, like, you know, this is my, all this shit is mine or something like that. But like, I think over, I've been very just like, like too open in some ways. Yeah. 
and it's been good for me to kind of like, and that's, you know, professionally and personally just being like, okay, I'm going to create a little container around myself (laughs) and like be choosier and not in a, in a bad way, but just in a healthy way. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like the, uh, oppositional reaction to the same scenario is so fascinating and like a weird form of like modern schizophrenia is like the idea that it's like, you know, I'll see, I'll see literally like what I think are kids. They're not kids, but I'll see people who are, you know, 10 years younger than me get something faster and quicker than I did yeah. at that time. And immediately back, you don't deserve, like in my head, right. I don't really feel this way, right. but in my head, there's that piece, well, yeah. there's the scarcity piece. That's like, why you? Yeah. And then if I get anything, I'm like, oh, I don't deserve, like, I don't, yeah. I shouldn't have this. Like right. this is, and it's like, <laughs> who are those two battling people right? <laughs> live inside my head, you know, and even though like in your heart, you're like, Oh, I'm glad that everything yeah, is like, I believe, happening. I don't believe that I'm so powerful that I can control someone else's like what their path is supposed to be, nor do I, tr- not truly, nor do I truly believe that I know what's like how things are supposed to go, right. you know? Right. So if like, it's just, but that's also, it's just such a common story of like someone coming to town and immediately things like snapping into place for them and other people feeling like, Oh, well, you know, took me, took me 10 years, took me, you know, whatever. It's like that. I don't know. I kind of like, I guess just really became, what am I trying to say? Unfortunately became aware of like how capable I am of being jealous. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you know, cause it's much more like, pleasant to be like oh yeah like and I I do believe that there is room for everyone and I believe that like there should be some respect for just what people have created for Mm. themselves over time which is something that I've learned on both sides like a friend of mine kind of communicating to me that like it bothered her that I like wanted to use her band to play some shows. And I was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. And right. that's, I have felt jealousy of, because of that. And, but I also, because of the, of, because of not having like a, a career where I can sat like salary people or have people on retainer, you know, but there is like a, like I haven't given voice to that feeling of like, no, like there is like a, a boundary thing. And I just wasn't really aware of, that that existed until fortunately it w- that was communicated to me. Yeah. And it kind of let me know. I was like stepping on toes, you know? And because of that, it's like, it just establishes like a, another level of like communication and friendship with this person who let me know that, you know, I was like, oh shit. Like I felt really bad because this is somebody that I really respected and looked up to. And, but now, you know, we're still able to like be friends because I know that and I'm not going to just recreate, keep recreating that scenario. I don't know why well, I got off on that tangent. No, that's just, I think that that's, that's a super helpful, that's, that's as helpful a tangent as telling people about the antique store underneath, right. which, which it really, it really is though, is that like, I, I find that the thing that one, anyone learns through age and experience is that like, that like, flexibility in the face of, of learning new things and hearing people's boundaries and, and, 
you know, understanding yourself and your own tendencies better, et cetera. Yeah. Like, like, like flexibility and an embrace of that rather than like what yeah. my immediate reptilian instinct is, which is to like recoil, melt and die, Right. you know, because someone well, told exposed to me in the world that, yeah. that I was wrong right. about a thing. And I totally can, recoiled. Oh God, of and course. I, for like a, at least of a minimum of 24 hours. Oh God. But yeah. then, you know, but then it really allowed me to give voice to my own feelings right. of, you know, similar experiences on the flip side, you right. know, and your own boundaries and just and being like, Oh needs. yeah, this is, this is difficult to me. And I know, you know, it's not the same. And so it's weird. Cause it's like, I want the people that I play with to always feel free to like make money and like, but I think there's like a closeness thing. There's like, well, I don't know. I was going to say it's kind of like dating, but it's, it's like two. That's not really right. Right. No, I, 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 I yeah, yeah. Just because it looks good on paper doesn't mean that it's not sort of like Trent, like maybe transgressing in, yeah. in ways that can be, that can be messy. Yeah. But, and the, yeah, I think, but I think that like, that's the thing that like I would, try to convey as much as possible to like anyone who's like coming to whatever town or whatever yeah. scene and trying to do something is it's like, like be genuinely interested in people who are not yourself and yeah. like, don't, don't ride your ego as hard as humanly possible to the point like you can't hear or understand like what other people's needs and ideas are. Yeah. You know, it'll save you maybe, you know, five years of right. <laughs> aches and heartache. Yeah. 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 Do you, um, um, you know, the, 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 I'd seen you now, I mean, it was an Americana Fest, which feels like either, it was like 20, know, 25 like... years ago. <laughs> Fuck. I, but I saw you there crazy. and you, you did the, you did a, a, a Carpenter's homage, I guess, um, at the five spot. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and that, that to me is like, it, it, one of the things I've heard you say a couple of times is that it's like, you know, like you're looking to like live a creative life and like yeah. that, that, like that show for me, like when I was there, I was like, oh, I feel good for this person who pulled this thing off. And I felt that way because it was like, I mean, like the musicianship was, was fantastic, obviously. Um, the, the presentation was great. Like the vibe was great. It was such like a great, like utilization of a room. Like there were a, like 4 million people in a, yeah, in, a, in, a in a, psycho like 20 capacity person. Right. <laughs> but, and then just like the sort of like the, the, um, the aesthetic, the costumes, like everything about that felt, it was like a production, like right. it was like sort of pulled off a production. And like that to me was like you know, I mean, I know, know that we all put our, you know, every, everyone who's doing this puts so much into their, their album and their touring or whatever. But like, as far as just like creating like a scene and a special night, like that was such a cool thing. Thanks. Where were you at on putting that together? Well, I, it was kind of, I had so much help with that. Jordan Lenning being the band leader, he charted everything for the musicians, the musicians being amazing and like being down to learn 32 songs. Oh, it was 30. I was going to say like yeah, 30 songs. It was a lot was. of songs. <laughs> I didn't feel as bad. Like I felt bad in hindsight. I was like, holy shit. Like I was like, is something amiss in my brain that I just like was like, sure, we're just going to keep adding songs. Cause I wanted to include as many people as possible. And 
but then I went to the the 1969 tribute and that was 45 songs. So I like took a little sigh of relief. I still felt bad, but, um, but yeah, just them being the musicians that they are, um, Ellen Angelico, John Radford, um, Daniel Pingree, Kevin Black, and who else? Thayer Serrano. Um, but yeah, Jordan Lenning charting everything like made that possible and just like for not very much money, um, jumping on board with that idea and just, and committing to like wearing pastels and polyester (laughs) and like the middle of the summer heat. And then it really was, it was like, I had this idea and I've never done anything like that. Like to, I've never like gotten to like fully, I've never fully realized that just like an event, you know, and, but I've been to several because other people in town have done tribute shows and kind of, you know, um, and, but I told Joshua Shoemaker, he's a great filmmaker in town, um, that I was like, I was like, Hey, I just kind of want to do like a, like a VHS project, like have a projector on the back wall so that people in the back, cause I'm sure it might be hard to see if you're up front because, you know, the stage is so low. Like, so people can see everybody. And he was like, what if I just, like, get a bunch of old TVs? And he, he just, like, took it upon himself to, like, fully realize this vision. Mm. And we've known each other for a while, so I think he kind of gets, like, where I'm coming from aesthetically sometimes. And But, it, yeah, it all really came down to, like, the people that, were involved, like fully invested in the idea. And I was just like, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was, you I know? mean, it was like, it, it, what stood out to me, and I think like where people can, people can be sort of dismissive for, for tribute nights because it's, you know, there's like a sacrifice of original music, there's people sort of, but like what felt, what felt really great about, about that night in particular is the melding or meshing of, people performing whatever song that they had performed, like in sort of splicing it like beautifully with their personality. And then it feeling yeah. like it inhabited another dimension a little bit was, oh, cool. was really, was really that's great. amazing. I, my, one of my favorites, well, I love everybody that's performed. It was like the most, that was, it was so exciting to me. I was like, like for, since I initially brought the idea to my manager, I was like envisioning Tristan singing Wichita Lineman. Oh my God, and I was that like, crazy. and it did not disappoint. <laughs> it just like, I just had, you know, that yearning in my heart for months. And then she sang it and I was like, oh, I knew it was going to be perfect. And, uh, and then Car- Carl Anderson singing Karen Dalton, um, Something's on Your Mind. Mm. He blew me away. Yeah, it was wild. He blew me away with that. I like, I, Man, I just think more and more highly of him. Like as time goes on, I, I've loved his songs for a long time. But he—he's just—he's cool. He surprised—he surprised me on that. One. Um, <laughs> what would Nicole Atkins do? She did "Sun Ain't Gonna Shine Anymore" oh my by God. Scott Walker. Her like uh, hand choreography with. <laughs> Which is such a yes. ridiculous thing to notice in a song, but it's I was like, so necessary, my though. God, like her navigation of space <laughs> that was fantastic. 
against it. Oh my gosh. But I think like, as far as, I mean, I think that to me, like, that's like an interesting, like to me, I think, I think because I'm, I'm pretty like scene focused and specific usually anyway, is that like, that's what stood out to me was that it was like no, it was no one success. Like, I mean, talk about it's like synergy. Like it was like a bunch of like individual successes, like a broader vision success in a, in a cohesion of people who like, I I am assuming like know, like, and appreciate each other. Yeah. And it showed. Yeah. It was like, it was really exciting. Like to just see everybody. (laughs) It was like a reunion kind of thing to like, I don't know, because it, Nashville did used to be smaller and like our, all of our musical lives, you know, at different stages have been growing over time, like our touring schedules and stuff. And like, whether we had a, a label or a team or not, like that has grown so much since all of us met, he met each other for each person. Like it's taken different shapes and stuff. And so like, like, I don't know just our, our like friendships or whatever. It's, it's kind of like we, we all love each other from afar most of the time now. And so it was just so cool to be like, we're all back here at the five spot. <laughs> like where, so it was kind of perfect. It was like very, very snug in there, but it was, it was cool. Yeah. It's a beautiful reunion. Yeah. What, um, um, I guess what, what are your, to the, the person who's listening in and getting equal amounts, you know, yeah, <laughs> pragma- pragmatic and, and broader tips. Like what are your, what, what are your departing pieces of wisdom? Oh, there's one thing that always like comes back to me, which was actually an exercise that a therapist gave me a long time ago, which was like, she, when I first was meeting her, she was like, have me write this timeline down of my life. And she was like, okay, now list who your angels are are who your angels have been in your life. Like these different people that have been supportive of you, like, you know, just in different areas, like teachers or like neighbors or friends, parents, or like whoever it is that kind of like nurture and support your path, whatever shape that takes, you know, I don't know. And it's like, I guess so my, my advice or whatever (laughs) would be like, that thing of like keep that in to keep that in my mind has been very helpful to me to like find the people that are my teachers or my mentors and then like kind of keep them with me in whatever way that I can and it's just things that they've said over time or like because that that's and that's the thing that I'm like that's the stuff that is like to me is like divine intervention or like a cosmic like a gift or whatever, or it's like these people that came in in times where I was like, you know, like when I started, I don't know, when I started taking voice lessons or whatever, or like I had this teacher in elementary school that ended up being with me from like first through fourth grade. Like she moved up at this Montessori school every year. She was like moving up. So we were, and she was just like this steady, like safe and encouraging person who like mirrored back to me uh, what my potential was or whatever, if that makes sense. And, and then with the voice teacher, it's like in hindsight, I'm like, I was 18, probably full of myself, just totally in a daydream about what music would be and not knowing anything. And, but also, and also very shy and quiet. And so like, 
why did she, why did she believe that I could do this? You know what I mean? Or why did she reflect that back to me and allow me to discover it on my own? Like she didn't have to do that. Mm. And she could have just like been too tired or like given me like the basics or whatever. And, um, so just kind of like going back and being like, okay, who are these people? It's like, those are signs that I'm supported on this path in my mind. Yeah. If that makes sense. That's a hell of a piece of parting advice. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. All right, cool. Yeah. Cheers. All right, everybody, that is it from Nashville Demystified. Thank you so much, Aaron, for being a part of this. It was just wonderful, wonderful to talk with you. Thank you to Jesse LaFontaine for being our sound engineer. He is a wonderful person, and he is making some great things happen here on this show. Thank you to Tim Burns for custom illustrations for this show. And, um, yeah, thank you for listening. You right there who's listening right now. I appreciate it. We will uh, we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Take good care.